There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to part two, where we hope you are remunerated and remunerated uh, after being strung out on some pretty hefty pastry tenter hooks. Uh, we're joined by Mike Bubbins, who is creating and curating his own dream pub. But before we continue with that, we must head over to the lovely Robin Allender for the pub quiz answers. So we were talking pasta, pasta shapes. They all come from quite funny names or interesting origins. So what do you reckon little ears is? What do you reckon, Mike? Do you get anything with little ears? Uh, it's going to be an Etty or an Ellie on the end. So I'm going to say... Uh, uh, wah, wah, wah. Uh, spaghetti? Oh, that's mm. the wrong shape. I wouldn't say spaghetti looks like ears, unless you used to have one of those kind of big things in your ears and you've taken it out and it's gone all kind of loose. Yeah, they're true. They droops they, down they like They do a... droop, yeah. John, you, you got anything for that? No, I can see the shape. It's like a sort of almost like a circular curved shell. But yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Concelli? Close. That's. I think that is shell, Concelli. But this is Orecchiette, which is, yeah, they're very nice. Very, you know, little uh, ear, little ears, literally. Little worms, what are we saying? Mike? I know this one's vermicelli. Vermicelli. Did you get that, John? No, I thought it was macaroni. Little worms. That would, That's quite a good one. Not of wood, what we say in? Fusilli? No. John? I, I don't know, to, to be honest with you, mate. Gnocchi. Oh! Yeah, gnocchi. Yeah, like a, like a little little knot of, knot of wood there. Yeah. Now, this is a good one. Little tongue. Mike, you got, got out? So we've got an Etty or an Ellie again, haven't we? Because that's a diminutive. So it's going to be something like... Uh, I'll go back to Fusilli. Interesting. John, anything? I've got nothing. Linguini. I suppose it's really? ling- like lingua. lingua. Oh, of course. Uh, of yeah, course, linguini. of course, of yeah. course. Lingua franca, French tongue. Yes. <laughs> Linguist. Hot, hot, hot cuisine, hot food. And uh, priest stranglers, very, very difficult one. Priest stranglers. Spaghetti. No. Priest, priest. Papa. 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 Pa. Papa, 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 <laughs> Paparazzi, <laughs> Papa Spaghetti. 
Strozza Preti. Strozza Preti. That's priest stranglers. Uh, one theory is that it was uh, because gluttonous priests were so enthralled by the savoury pasta that they ate it too quickly and choked themselves. So that was oh, the priest dear. stranglers. Strozza Preti. Saying it and listen to us all. Yeah, indeed. So very well done if you got those at home. That is a lesson to us all. I've not heard of three of those types of pasta. Yeah, it was a bit of a challenging one, but, you know, I wanted to make it interesting. Oh, it was very interesting. We've all <laughs> learned a lot about pasta and language. Yeah. Yes. That's a plum. We must move on to further increase the wares in your dream pub, Mike. And next up, it's your two spirit choices. Are you a spirits guy? I am a spirits guy, John, but like I said, not 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 as a youngster. Like you're saying, like you like to enjoy a spirit, uh, a pint. I very much like to enjoy a spirit because I would never grew up drinking top shelf drinks. They've they've something that I've I've, uh, I've acquired a taste for as I've got older. So I've got a very well stocked gin and whiskey uh, section in my in my bar. So my first one is there's so there's only one whiskey distillery in Wales, and they're called Penderyn up in the Brecon Beacons or near the Brecon Beacons. And they pride themselves on the fact that they they make their whiskey with basically the highest alcohol content of any whiskey in the UK to start with. I think I think they distill it as something like it's, it's in the in the high nineties, and then they obviously add add the spring water to it to bring it down. But it still ends up very strong. I was never really a whiskey snob. I always thought the whiskey was whiskey more or less. I did a do you know Dean Burnett? I don't know if you know Dean, but Dean's a friend. So I went to his stag night, and it was in the Pendown Distillery, and we did a whiskey tasting tour. But at the end of it, they took us to all the different barrels that they that the whiskey sits in after it's been made. And there's so there's they tend to be, I believe, because of prohibition in America, when at the end of prohibition to sort of generate jobs, basically, they said that once you could only use a a whiskey barrel or a rye barrel once. So when Jack Daniels make millions of barrels of whiskey and rye, they can only use those barrels once. Because then you have to employ somebody to make you new barrels, right? So all their barrels end up getting shipped all over the world to be used for whiskey barrels. So most of their stuff is is made in in rye barrels. But then they they, they you can taste that they get different barrels in for for, for smaller batches and smaller runs. And the one they do, they make every sort of three or four years. They use Madeira wine barrels from France, and they they let the whiskey sit in a so they do a Penderin Madeira cask, which is a thing of rare beauty. It really is nice. I've I've, I've had a bottle there for. Couple of months because I I just have an occasional sip and enjoy it and, and take my time over it. So a Penderin Madeira cask whiskey, I think it's about forty seven percent, but it's it's such a nice, smooth, beautiful taste in whiskey. That's my first spirit, John. And do you do you have that neat? Do you add water or uh, ice? Yeah, I'm I am. I mean, the purist will will cock a snoot with this. I I have a block of ice, one one cube of ice. I let it sit so it melts a lot of purists say you should use you know room temperature water you know you should always apparently add add water to it but i just like an ice cube in there and let that sit for a little while which is in a, in a sense adding a bit of water yeah it probably ends up being too cold for the uh the whiskey purist but that's the way that i like it john and what's your second choice so in lockdown when we everyone was uh socially distant on a thursday on the nhs thursday i started a little bar at the front of the house Little table. I used to get uh, my neighbour next door who lived on his own. I'd get him sort of two metres away, sat on a chair. And then my two friends, Steve and Matt, who come around on a Sunday, usually to watch football. I'd sit them sort of two metres away on a chair. And then I'd make us uh, gin and tonics. We'd do the NHS thing, we'd stay outside, and, and that became a, a nice tradition for sort of two or three months. Uh, with a different bottle of gin every week. And the one 
it's not particularly expensive. It's not particularly... Uh, but the one that I enjoyed the most, I would have to say, is a gin called Opia, O-P-I-H-R. Mm. Oh, yeah. Very slightly spiced gin. It's, it's kind um, of cardamom, isn't it? It's yeah, very, but it's not, nice. it's not one of those flavoured gins as such. No, the, no. But there's a hint of it. Yeah, it. yeah. It's really and beautiful, that, yeah. Oh, it's lovely. That yeah. with a, with a, with a, just a nice, easy Schweppes or Fever Tree tonic water, a little bit of ice, and some Apia gin. Lovely. What a superb choice. It's also a very beautiful bottle. Nice, heavy glass bottle. Mm. Yeah. Thick yeah. glass. Yeah. With a, that tiny cord, that red cord. Around the around the top, which I've added to my cowboy hat hat band. <laughs> yeah, so these are strong, strong. Look. Well, those are two very good choices. Uh, Penderin, is it Penderin? Penderin, yeah. Penderin Madeira Cask Whiskey and Opir Gin are your two choices. And while we sip those spirits in our mind, we're going to head over to the pub library to find out what book Robin is adding to the Moon Underwater shelves this week. <laughs> Thanks, John. Well, I was going to do a different book, but what I'm actually going to do is Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides. I, I wanted to just re- read this bit out because, Mike, you mentioned Prohibition and Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides, partly set during Prohibition era America in Detroit, and a character in it basically builds their own pub. Which, so again, this is kind of relevant for, for your own needs as well. So um, here we go from, from Middlesex. From his old connections in the rum running business, he rented a slot machine and ordered a week's supply of beer and whiskey. And on a cold Friday night in February of 1924, he opened for business. The Zebra Room was a neighborhood place with irregular hours. Whenever Lefty was open for business, he put an icon of St. George in the living room window facing the street. Patrons came around back, giving a coded knock, a long and two shorts, followed by two longs on the basement door. Then they descended out of the America of factory work, tyrannical foremen, into an Arcadian grotto of forgetfulness. (laughs) Oh, what a turn of phrase. That's great. Do you live in an Arcadian grotto of forgetfulness, Mike? (laughs) I would like to though. What a what a wonderful. It's I mean, crazy, you're, you're a wordsmith, John. You must you must you must have revel in that sort of thing. Yeah, I really like that. I don't think I've ever fully understood what the word Arcadian means, but I love it as a word. I what think does it's Arcadian a, mean? Well, isn't it just to do with the kind of like um e- e- like the Garden of Eden, a kind of pre-lapsarian kind of blissful state kind Good of thing. Good lord, I feel like my depth intellectually with you two. <laughs> well, no, because I mean, I don't know what the word... I don't, I'm just I'm just going to look up in my mind what it means. But it's a good name for a pub as well. Arcadian a person Grotto. who lives a simple or quiet life, a native or inhabitant of Arcadia, and the dialect of ancient Greece. So what was Arcadia? A mountainous region of southern Greece. So it must have some kind of... Um, must have some relevance to Greek mythology, Arcadia, which is, I'm afraid, beyond my ken. I think it's rustic. I think it's rustic, peaceful, simple, pastoral. Give us that, give us that sentence again, Robin. Okay, cool. Then they descended out of the America of factory work and tyrannical foremen into an Arcadian grotto of forgetfulness. Very nice. Have that written above the pub. <laughs> yeah. 
Superb. That's Middlesex uh, by Jeffrey Eugenides in the pub library this week. Um, but we don't just have a library, Mike. We've got a jukebox here oh, at yes. the Moon Underwater. Oh, yes. And you are a man. M- music almost sweats out of your pores, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm a musical man, John. Yeah, I'm. Uh, again, is, is it is it to do with whales or is it to do with uh, probably a, probably a little bit of nature and nurture? But yeah, I do love music. I've probably sweated over this choice more than more than the other choices I've made so far. Well, you need to put an album into the Moon Underwater Jukebox and to perhaps help steer you, it's the sort of album you would dream about hearing when you walked into a pub. You know me well enough, John, to know that I'm a big fan of Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley is your Freddie Mercury. He's my Freddie Mercury. You're well, one I of the foremost be... Elvis impersonators, let us not you, forget. Well, you're very kind. We prefer the... <laughs> The term tribute act, but yeah, <laughs> sorry um, about that. That's no problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was the mustache ruined it, right? Uh, I, I can't do Freddie, so I'm I'm, st- I'm stuck now. But I was thinking again as a host, what would I like to educate my patrons with? Oh, nice. So I, I've gone down two. I'm going to pick one of these two. One is uh, an album. Well, someone would like to drink. Jay Rafferty, uh, who sadly passed away not long ago. There's a there's an album he's made called Night Owl, which I absolutely love. There's there's not a bad track on it, and I think even though people may not have heard of Jay Rafferty, they would have probably heard of Baker Street, the song Baker Street. But it's not it's not on this album. But they they'll have known that track. But the Night Owl was a better album. Uh, has, that, has that got Matty's Rag on it? That album or is that a different one? No. No, that's that's it's one got, of my favourite songs. Matty's rag is genius. Well, he's just such a good songwriter. Yeah, yeah. And the songs he's written are all sort of uh, auteur. Is that the right word? All from his own experiences. But I love that, and I just think if people listen to that, they they would they would maybe recognise one or two two of Jerry Rafferty's songs on the album. But I mean, it's it's something that when you listen to it, my friend Steve that I mentioned earlier, I played a track from that for him, and he said to me two weeks later, "That's all I'm listening to." I love it. So, I mean, that's a very strong possibility. It's a, it's a grower. It's an, an immediate grower. The other one, if I was thinking, if I wanted to really get a bit of a party started after there's a few drinks have gone down, uh, an album that you really cannot go wrong with when it comes to um, taking things up a level is Meat Loaf's Bath Out of Hell album. Well, actually, Mike, <laughs> maybe this will sway your decision because Bat Out of Hell is already on the Moon Underwater jukebox as it was chosen by Lisa Holdsworth. Oh, well, good choice, so Lisa. Good choice. You would maybe expand the mind slightly more with Jerry Rafferty, unless you are so keen on Bat Out of Hell that you think it deserves to be on the jukebox twice, because we do have some albums on there twice. No, no, I think I think once is fine. I stand that that has uh, swayed me. I think that a pub is somewhere you should also learn and be educated. So I'm, I'm going to stick with, in that case, with Jay Rafferty's Night Owl album, please. What a great choice. And I look forward to hearing that. He's such a good songwriter. Didn't he used to play with Billy Connolly? Billy Connolly played. Yeah. His incredible life. And also Steeler's Wheel. So Stuck in the yeah. Middle with You was a, was a Jay Rafferty song. Yeah, yeah. A brilliant song. I mean, I, I know it's not on the album, but if, you wanna, if you're interested in songwriting, Matty's Rag is ingenious, the way it comes well, together. I can highly recommend you both listen to my time at some point. I will, I shall. In the future. Out on the street, I was talking to a man. He said, so much, but there's not a man that I don't understand. You shouldn't worry, I said, that ain't no crime. Because if you get it wrong, you'll get it right next time. Next time. Next time. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, I'm Adam Hurry, host of Football Clichés, a truly unique podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Twice a week, my guests and I tear apart the language of football, the words, the phrases, the mannerisms and the weird habits of everyone involved in the game. From the shoes that football pundits are legally required to wear, to the didn't play for Sam Allardyce's Bolton but really should have done 11, Football Clichés explores all the tiny things that you didn't realise you cared about, but believe me, you do. You've got one choice remaining in your dream pub, Mike. You've so far got Brains SA, Molson Export, Molson Canadian, Growers Cider, Penderin Madeira Cask Whiskey. It sounds like an Arcadian Grotto of Forgetfulness. It really it does, does sound like an Arcadian <laughs> Grotto of Forgetfulness. But what are we going to top it off with? What's your wild card choice? Right, now this is a drink that sounds disgusting. Again, I'm flying 4,000 miles west, going to Canada. A lot of your a lot of your heart is in Canada, isn't it? A lot of it is in there, yeah. Especially when it comes to being, you know, a single man and and, uh, and, a, and a pub man. So this is a drink that I was first came to my attention in Toronto with a friend I live with over there called Craig Marshall, who sadly passed away last year. A very very good mate of mine, great pubman, great rugby player, and a good friend. Uh, introduced me to a, to a drink which at first I didn't like, called a Bloody Caesar or a Caesar cocktail. Uh, and then when I moved uh, over to Calgary, it was a very big drink there because it, it originates apparently from the Caesar Steakhouse in Calgary. But a Canadian cocktail, there's not many Canadian cocktails, but this is one. So the Bloody Caesar is almost a Bloody Mary. This is vodka and it's Tabasco and it's Worcester sauce. But instead of tomato juice, it's something called Clamato, which is, strap in folks, reconstituted clam broth and tomato mixed. Okay, so it's it's sort of Bloody Mary meets prawn cocktail. Yes. I've never thought, you know, I'm having a cocktail and thought, I wish this tasted this more of fish. This, is, this isn't fishy enough for me. Yeah. Well, no one has, Robin. This is the yeah. thing. But this is why at first I didn't like it. So yeah. 
it's an acquired taste. When you when you get into it, I have to get um, a company called Mott's make Clamato. I have to I have to go on Amazon and buy, and it's quite cheap to buy in Canada, but to get it imported over here costs more than the booze sometimes. But Mott's Clamato juice, so vodka, Clamato, Worcester sauce, Tabasco, and then you frost the glass with celery salt over ice with a stick of celery. I don't like celery. I don't mind celery salt, but I'm going to pick that. We talk about having a drink, and, and, and uh, it's not just about the booze. It's about enjoying it. It's about, it's about the memories. Very quickly, I want to mention that. When I, was with, when I was with Craig playing rugby as a young man, I was probably 22, and Craig would have been late 20s. We played rugby, a uh, rugby club called Brock in Ontario, in a place called Blackwater, Ontario, where they've made their own rug, rugby pitch in the middle of the sort of woods up there, these lads. And we had a great game of rugby, very tough game of rugby, uh, in the middle of the summer, hot and sweaty tough and their clubhouse they built themselves it was like a like a cabin and then out there was no sh- there was no indoor shower the shower was a was essentially a hose pipe on the outside of the, of the back of the clubhouse and a gravel pit and then a little picket fence for privacy in the middle of a pine forest so you've played rugby and you've stripped off you're you're you're, you're outdoors you're in the middle of a pine forest in the sunshine having a shower breathing in that lovely pine with your friends and with with your, with the teammates and with the other team, drinking a drink there, drinking a a, a beer after the game, yeah, usually usually a Molson Canadian. I remember Craig turning to me and say, "Mikey, this is as good as it gets." And I thought, you know what, Craig, you're absolutely right because I had my mates, I had a bit of rugby, I had the sunshine, I had the, the smells of the forest, I had a cold beer. Anyway, so a bloody Caesar or a Caesar's cocktail, I always raise to Craig. So I'm going to pick that as my wild card, if I may. Oh, with with great. Honor, you can pick that as your wild card. What an incredible memory you have there, and what a treat to be able to to drink that drink and remember good times with a a friend sadly missed. A, a Bloody Mary has sort of a reputation. It's almost like a morning drink or a hangover drink, or it might even be the first drink of a celebration. Is is it similar with a Bloody Caesar? Yes, yeah, so we used to drink a lot of that on a Sunday. That was our that was our go to Sunday morning drink was the Bloody Caesar. Yeah. A couple of those in the morning. Well, I'm going to do my utmost to try one of those at some point. If either of you ever get down to uh, to the other pub at some point in the future, I will make you a, a bloody Caesar. Oh, that would be an absolute treat. You're barred. This pub, Mike, is full of memories. And it's full of very fond memories. The memories of the rugby clubs that you drank in with Brains SA, which your father financed as long as you didn't touch any top-shelf drinks. It's got the Molson Export and the Molson Canadians that you would reach for, thirsty as the Sahara after 40-degree rugby. It's got the Grower's Cider, which you grew to love, if sort of grew to the floor. Tough love. Tough (laughs) Tough love. You've got the taste of Madeira and also the taste of Wales in Penderyn Madeira cask whiskey and the taste of lockdown neighbourhood friendship in Apaya Gin. And you've also got the taste of a dear departed friend with a bloody Caesar cocktail, making your pub one of the most warm and nostalgic pubs that we've so far created on the moon underwater. But I want to know, amongst all this positivity... Amongst all these happy memories, what is the sort of thing you want to bar from your pub? What what do you find unacceptable? What would ruin uh, the wonderful place that you've created? I thought long and hard again, John, about this. Obviously, a 
low-hanging fruit would be the mobile phone. But then I thought, I've, I've, got a, I've, got a, I've got a young family. What if someone needed to get hold of me? Then I don't, I don't think it's the end of the world to be, to be contactable. Then I thought about televisions. I thought, well, but some of the, my best times at pubs have been watching football games and rugby games and cricket matches, golf matches. So it wouldn't be TVs. But then I thought of fruit machines. And fruit machines are such a, they're a individual pursuit. As soon as you've got the fruit machine there, then people have got their back to their friends. They're engrossed in, um, in a machine. It's not there for communication. It's not there for entertainment as such. It's a, it's, a, it's a gambling unit which takes you away from the reason that I would go to a pub, which is to be with my friends and to, and to be enjoying company. The sound of it and the look of it and, and, and the purpose of it. So if it was up to me, John, in, in my pub, I would, I would ban fruit machines. You will have no disagreement from me on that one because not only do they separate people from their friends, they separate you from yourself because uh, they're pretty much used to turn the old brain off at a very high cost to the user. So I love walking into a pub with no fruit machines and I used to detest having had um, my share of bad experiences with them in, in my teens. I used to detest walking into a fish and chip shop and seeing one. Or walking into a like a reception and see they used to get them in some really weird places in the in in the eighties and nineties. You'd go to a, a small airport where they didn't even have a shop that you could buy food, and there'd be a vending machine and a fruit machine. And you think, when when will I find rest? So fully agree with that choice, Mike. Hurry up, please! It's time. Every pub needs a name, though, mate. And we can't let this anonymous, wonderful pub just float around in the ether forever. We need to we need to ground it with a name. So before you leave the moon underwater to take your pub with you, what are you going to call it and why? Well, I toyed with three things. And one just occurred to me today, actually. So I was thinking of the Righteous Pint. I think that, that, that a drink well-earned and well-deserved. I think that's quite a nice name for a pub. The pub that I... I have back at back home at Cardiff, but I'm not in, in the moon underwater. I've recently changed the name to Big Al's in memory of uh, Big Al, who I based an element of, the, of, the, of my home pub on, because uh, he passed away a couple of weeks ago. I, I did say, well, I, I did the eulogy at the funeral, and I said that I was going to change the name of my pub to Big Al's in memory of the, of Big Al. So I'm going I'm to change mine to Big Al's. So I, I won't call my dream pub that, because I've, I've got a pub called that already. So then I thought, you've mentioned today, and I've just gone through my notes, I realised that a lot of those, uh, I don't live in the past, but it certainly influences the, the, the present. And when I was in university, by a strange quirk of fate, the pub at the end of my street that served brains and had a skittle alley and had a, and a friendly landlord and would uh, occasionally have a lock-in and was a lovely pub with a lot of, the, all the things pubs should have, nice brassware, nice, nice wood, good leather, a nice mirror behind the bar was called, by, by dint of fate, the Canadian. Now no longer with us. It's sadly fallen by the wayside. So I'm going to uh, call my pub, if I may, John and Robin, I'm going to call my pub the Canadian. What a wonderful fitting name uh, for your pub. Do Wales and Canada have any ties that might suggest a, a, a Welsh pub called the Canadian? The pub the Canadian that I used to drink in when I was in university was called that because there was a lot of Canadian Air Force people stationed there was an airport there was a, a world war ii airstrip near there a military air base so where, where the canadians would drink so i think the brains brewery changed the name in honor of the canadian flyers to the canadian um 
And then, of course, the reason I went, when I first went to Toronto to play rugby as a 19-year-old, my team over there was the Toronto Welsh. Because I, it had been founded by some Welsh expats in the 60s. Oh, you like you like this, John. You like this fact. So the fellow that originated the style of the club was a fellow called John Jones, uh, husband of Dorothy Jones. So I lived with John and Dorothy when I first got there. Uh, sorry, John, John passed away. I lived with Dorothy when I first got there. But they had previously, when they left Wales, moved to the West Indies before they came to Canada. And their neighbour had been a writer in the West Indies and a fellow expat that they were very friendly with. And they would often have a drink together, get together in the evenings and, and share a drink and, a, and, and reminisce. And he brought over a, a script for them to read of something he'd been working on that he wanted John and Dorothy to read, and they read it. And, of course, it was a script for Dr. No, because their, their neighbour would have been Ian Fleming. So, um, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. Story. Yeah. How extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, quite. So, um, yeah, so there are links. I, 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 so, uh, I'm, yeah, I think the Canadian. That just that occurred to me today, looking at, looking at my list. So we're about to allow you to leave the moon underwater now with, with your pub of the mind that can come to you whenever you need it, when you need it most. What sort of occasions can you imagine needing to seek solace in this pub? Or in, indeed invite friends over? Well, in the words of, you mentioned cheers earlier. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't it be nice to get away sometime when I go where everybody knows your name? They're always glad you came. So uh, it's going to be a place like, oh, this is such a nice idea. This is going to be a place I'll, I'll come to in my mind when uh, when the pressures of of day-to-day life get a bit too much and I can't get to my, my other pub, I shall now take myself into, into, into the Canadian of my mind. Perhaps when you're on tour with a socially distant sports bar and you're unable to find a hotel lobby that will serve you drinks until 4.30 a.m. <laughs> if Ellis is to be believed, you can pull out the Canadian and invite the entire audience of the Socially Distant Sports Bar to come there too in their own minds. I love this. What a great idea. What a lovely, what a lovely thing. So, Mike Bubbins, thank you so much. And um, I would encourage everyone listening to The Moon Underwater with an interest in sport or the past or just friendship to check out the Socially Distant Sports Bar podcast and also any live dates that they may be doing. I hear it's absolutely knocking it out of the park. I believe the Hackney Empire ran out of alcohol. True story. All, all bars <laughs> on all levels. Yeah. Wow. Too <laughs> many crickets. So, Thank you, Mike. Uh, uh, Thank you for joining us and safe journey to the other realm. Oh, bye bye, Mike. Fare thee well on the cobbles and shifting streets as you return to the other realm. And what an incredible journey that was that we took with Mike. Uh, uh, A journey of joy. Mainly to Canada. Mainly to Canada, but also (laughs) a lot of of emotional heft therein. And that was, I really enjoyed that chat and we hope you enjoyed it too. Next week, hark! And alert the patrons of the Tower of London, <laughs> because it's Jan Ravens oh, uh, who's see. coming to the Moon Underwater. Very nice. And I hope she brings with her many 
many winged ravens to sit on the sills and keep watch on the correct realm. Uh, so do join us next week uh, when Jan Ravens will be our guest. Mm-hmm.